Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A bitch, ho, <laughs> feminazi, slag, um, all of the good words. Great, thank you that so could much. That be our intro. Thank you. Cheers, <laughs> leg. You're listening to Feminists Don't Wear Pink, the podcast, based on the book Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies, a collection of writing by 52 women on what feminism means to them. I'm Scarlett Curtis. I'm a writer, activist, journalist, and very, very proud feminist. I'm also the curator of this book and the presenter of the podcast. During this series, I'm going to be talking to a few of the amazing contributors who've written our book to find out how they found their feminism and some of the lies that they've been told about what it means to be a woman. Today's episode is an interview with Jamila Jamil. Jamila began her career on T4 and went on to host the BBC official chart show on Radio 1. In 2018, she made the quite insane move to LA and for the past three years, she's been starring in the NBC comedy The Good Place alongside Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. Last year, she founded I Weigh, an online viral campaign fighting against the toxic body image ideals that are thrown at women every day and encouraging women and men across the world to look beyond the surface and ask for more. She's been my best friend for the past nine years and been saving my life and making me a better person almost every day of that. I'm happy and a tiny bit jealous that she's now kind of doing that for the whole world and not just me. Uh, hello, Jamila. Hello. It's very cool to be here with you. Um, so are you a feminist? I am a feminist, yeah. Amazing. And when did you first realise you were a feminist? I, uh, like many people, thought feminist was a dirty word for much of my life and I associated it with something very aggressive and ugly clearly because I was poisoned by the patriarchy as to what a feminist is yeah which is uh some sort of a terrorist really, is how <laughs> feminists were painted and um in my sort of mid-20s I started to finally develop like a real community of women and started to speak up for women and started to take part in activism and realize that that was definitely a part of who I was that I was a feminist and actually a feminist just someone who cares about the equality of the genders yeah that's and so interesting so you do you think you're Standing up for people and activism came before actually realising what the term was and what yes, it all was. Yes, absolutely. That's so interesting. And I just, I realised that there was a very peaceful and loving way in which you could be a feminist and, and achieve so much within that. Yeah. 
and I, I've, I've taken that on as like my approach towards feminism and all activism is um, well obviously it can't activism can't always be loving because sometimes you have to make a noise and you have to create actual movement um, I my personal approach is most of the time not always as we've seen on my Twitter um, <laughs> but most of the time to try and use empathy yeah. for the opposition in order to find a way to communicate with them in a way that they will understand and try to put themselves in my shoes. You actually, this is quite personal, I don't, but you did that for me in a really amazing way once when I found out someone I was very close with had sexually assaulted um, someone and called you kind of crying and was very upset and expecting you to, I guess, be angry or, you know, talk to me about about it and you were just so kind and understanding and just told me to think about the whole picture and it was amazing it was really amazing thank you it really well, got me through it but i'm i'm obsessed with context yeah. i'm obsessed with context it defines me my obsession with context and i think it has helped me come to terms with so much of the so many of the things that have happened in my life that have been bad, like I've overcome eating disorders, I've overcome abuse, I've overcome all kinds of trauma, physical, emotional, sexual. And the only way I've been able to come through that, uh, not perfectly, but definitely to a point where I'm a, you know, a, a relatively happy person most of the time, is via context, is being able to look at all of that. And I think that we lack that in this world. We lack context and we lack an ability to look outside of ourselves or look outside of our Facebook algorithms, you know, and yeah. see, the, see the other side of the story. And I think that... And I think that's also, I think so often, arguments within feminism lack context. Like, you know, I mean, this week, there's a lot of horrible things being said about women who wear burqas and... To me, you know, for a lot of women, that is feminism. And we sh there isn't just this one way of doing feminism mm -hmm. that fits everyone. It's not about wearing more clothes or wearing less clothes or talking more or talking less or working more or not working or being a mum or not being a mum. It's about context and nuance and what it looks like for you to be an empowered woman. For sure. But I also, I, I also draw a line at sometimes finding that feminism could be some sort of I'm going to explain this horrendously because it's off the top of my head mm. but it almost feels like an umbrella term under which we can operate however we like and in an ideal situation that is great and that's how how it should yeah. be but sometimes you have women who can operate with toxicity yeah. and they can push toxicity out into the world and then if any of us are to criticize those women then we are considered bad feminists yeah. for for criticizing someone. Now, even if you're not attacking someone, you're just criticizing. You're, you're offering constructive criticism. Yeah. Then you are still told off for reprimand. You're reprimanded for questioning a woman's decisions. Yeah. But sometimes we have to realize that some of those women are uh, an expression that I use is a, a double agent for the patriarchy, which I is someone that. who, which is someone who who, whether they know it or not, are pushing the patriarchal narrative out yeah. to other women and then they're profiting off of it. And they are therefore part of the patriarchy just because you have breasts and a vagina or no breasts and a vagina yeah. or no vagina. <laughs> Either way, as long as you identify as a woman, but you are pushing a patriarchal narrative. I don't believe you definitely get to hold the... Be a, I don't believe you deserve uh, refuge under the feminist... Umbrella. No, I definitely do. I think, think you do. should be called out. Yeah. And not 
just shamed and reprimanded, but constructively criticised and offered, invited to to come back to being on our side, which yeah. is pushing out helpful, nourishing, loving information to other women. When you're selling your, can I swear? Yeah. Fucking weight loss lollipops <laughs> or like diarrhea tea or like shit my pants gummies. You're not, you're not, just because you're a woman, it doesn't make you a feminist. You're a yeah. double agent. You're just, you're pushing a patriarchal narrative of like, we have to be thin and we have to have a flat tummy to be acceptable, which is for men because we're only supposed to have flesh wherever men would like to see flesh mm. and no flesh anywhere else. Mm. Uh, you're, you're not a feminist. And someone should say, someone should shine a light on you and say, this person is pushing out something bad and that person should stop and we should see that that person is full of shit. I completely agree. So that's and how I, do I feel think about it. I do I, get into trouble, but... You're amazing. And I do think things definitely change when you are putting things out in the world and people are listening because yeah. then no matter how, you know, I think it's fine saying we respect every woman's decisions and... I really do believe that mm-hmm. in individual women. But I think if you are having an impression on 10, 100 millions of people, mm-hmm. you do have some... I mean, do you think you have responsibility? For sure. I'd like, I, That's what this platform has to be used responsibly. Yeah. Because people are buying into you. And some of the people who irritate me the most are the celebrities who push out constantly toxic messaging and belittling and demeaning messaging for young women and and are bad role models mm. and then they're like well i'm not telling anyone to be like me it's like well the second you are selling any kind of brand you are literally telling people to be like you yeah, the reason that's no why one you got cares your yeah the reason no one cares about what the rolling stones did like shooting i don't know like heroin into their eyeballs or whatever they did <laughs> i don't know what they did but they did a lot of bad stuff like naughty stuff yeah, and, live and lived like really chaotic. Time. How? Are they embalmed? It's insane. Are they? Um, but so. yeah, so I, you know, the reason that no one really had that much of a go at them over the years is because they weren't selling anything. They weren't yeah. branding themselves. They weren't saying, hey, this is my clothing line. Hey, this is my soft drink. Dress like me, yeah, drink yeah. like me, eat lollipops like me, get yeah. your hair done like my hair is done. As soon as you are doing that, follow, even you are me. saying literally be like me. Mm. You don't get to pick and choose what people copy of yours. You have to be responsible. And I think what's really powerful about you saying that is you've, you know, kind of been in the public eye for so Mm. long and really know how that feels. And, you know, I know you very well. You're not perfect. Mm -mm. But it's not... I think when people hear that, they think it's about being perfect and it's so not. It's just about not hurting people. But I also talk about having been abused and I talk about... uh, having had a nervous breakdown and and what I had to do to get out of that. I talk openly about EMDR therapy, which saved Mm. my life, which I found out about from you. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, I'm someone who still struggles with depression and anxiety on and off. And, you know, but I also believe that sharing that imperfection is a part of being a good role model because nobody is perfect. And I actually think it's really damaging. It's it's, It's part of what I hate about social media is the constant, like, being constantly bombarded with the like highlight reel of people's lives Mm. i actually don't think that's good it makes someone then feel bad about themselves instagram just makes people feel so much of the time instagram and twitter can make people just feel poor fat lonely uh love unloved like all of these different Mm. things and i want to use it for something bit better yeah once again i would say i think if you're following the people that have 100 million followers Mm -hmm. then that is how it's going to make you feel i you know, as you know, was very screwed as a child and grew up on social media. And I think it also can be this incredible place for activism and feminism. Oh, for sure. And that 
is what you're doing. So I want to talk to you about two things. But before you do, that's oh. also something that you've been doing for so long <laughs> and you are a big part of why I do it. Um, and you were like 15 when you were talking about being a teenage granny yeah. and talking openly about, about depression and mental illness in a way that adults were responding to because they didn't have anyone else to hear talk about that. So I just would like to say that to you on air and in your life because I don't think I've ever properly said that to you that you're such a big part of why I, you have made me feel braver about speaking out about these things and, and you are one of the first safe spaces that I ever came across on social media and it's encouraged me to make more of those. That so, makes me want to cry. But don't carry on. Be a professional. Um, man up. But I do Scarlet, also, man up. But I do think <laughs> so one of the things we try and talk about in yeah. the, I'm not as good as you. Um at doing this. No, you're really good. One of the things we try and talk about in this book is that feminism can look like huge, amazing gestures that end up changing the law and, you know, affecting thousands and thousands of people but it can also look like small gestures that just help one woman or Mm -hmm. yourself or your mum or anyone and to me you are the person in my life and in the world that is the best example of that because you've kind of done both for me um so let me cry do you want to talk a bit about how we met or should I you okay so I was a very very sad and disabled 14 year old who had had an I had an operation on my back that went wrong and I was lived in chronic pain for three years and had dropped out of school and all I did all day was watch TV and read magazines and there was this very cool girl in the magazines who was wearing a SpongeBob SquarePants dress and was called Jamila Jamil and I was very obsessed with her and thought she was amazing and not like anyone else on TV and uh, at kind of the peak of my sadness and illness and pain my dad met this girl at a party not wearing the SpongeBob dress. And my whole family was very kind of desperate, not knowing what to do with me or how to help me. And he ran up to her and was like, my daughter loves you. Please, can you just come over and be nice to her? Because she's going through a really, really, really bad time and none of us know what to do. And she's seen all of Grey's Anatomy now. So we're looking for extra things that she can do. Uh, And for some reason you said yes, because he could have you know murdered you or I could have been super weird (laughs) uh and I at that point wasn't seeing any friends or seeing anyone and you just came over and you lay on my bed and you talked to me like a human which everyone had been so scared of what was going on with me for so long Mm. and scared of the pain and the illness and when a child is ill it's terrifying and you were the first person in months that talked to me like I was a real human and you would bring me and from then on you started coming over most weeks kind of Mm -hmm. and you'd bring me little presents and like I could barely walk and you'd bring me the tallest high heels in the whole world (laughs) and like bags that I was never gonna use and tiny little toys and dolls and sweets and you would just sit on my bed and actually talk to me and I felt like I actually had a friend and it Mm. was incredible. What was so funny about that time is that I sort of like you know I was 23 and I sort of arrogantly presumed that I would come in and just (laughs) save your life and you know bestow all these nuggets of wisdom upon you and then you ended up saving mine back and I was this like 23 year old who was in the public eye that I hadn't ever planned on being in and I definitely wasn't ready for still not ready uh and not good at it um but I was still struggling with my own anxiety and depression didn't have anyone to talk to about it and you became such a big lifeline to me, uh, so which was a huge shock for my arrogant 23-year-old self thinking I was coming in to save the day and then you ended up saving mine. <laughs> um, yes. But that was, uh, you've also had a really big impact on me in my life. And like I said, been a really big inspiration. And it's so fun 
to now find a way to work with you to then yeah. take that love that we have for each other yeah. and then push it out into the world. Because I really feel what you did for me was like this tiny beta version of what you're now doing for the world, which <laughs> is I Wei, which is incredible. So do you want to talk a bit about I Wei? I Wei is just a, um, it's basically a movement. It's a, a big movement to change the narrative around the way that we talk about women's value because it's been disgusting up until now. We've yeah. been so demeaned and diminished down to a number on a scale. And it not only are we viewed by that by society, but we view ourselves like that now, which is so devastating and depressing. I, uh, I didn't eat a meal between the age of 14 and 17. I was so anorexic. I didn't menstruate uh, during that entire time. You know, I, I damaged my body for quite a long time and, and I would still be completely anorexic to this day, I probably believe, because it's a really hard disease to ever get rid of or condition to get rid of. Um, but I was hit by a car and that just changed my... Well, I broke my back and it changed my relationship with my body for the better. But, you know, hopefully we don't all need to be hit by cars. We're not lucky enough to all be hit by a car. Yeah. Uh, and so in that... That can so, be Iway version three. Because I can't guarantee that all women with body issues will be <laughs> hit by cars, uh, I've decided to start Iway to rebel against society's way of valuing and, and defining the worth of a woman. We shouldn't just be thinking about taking up less space. I actually really believe that our obsession with body image that has been forced upon us uh it's slowing us down as a gender yeah and I completely we're agree. not sleeping as much as men because we're getting up early to get ready uh, we're thinking about it all the time when men are thinking about business we're thinking about our bodies yeah. and how we're failing we have 75 percent less orgasms than men do we yeah and that is like good for your brain and helps you feel better well, that's true. I mean, yeah, we spend all this time working out and doing Pilates. And, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And we spend all this money, yeah. all this money. And there's all these like chemicals on us all the time and we're just focusing on it. What? Why did anyone ever say, and I don't judge these people, but how amazing is it that it has come into our vocabulary, the sentence, oh my God, I must have a manicure. No. Yeah. Like you're like if you want to, that's fine. Yeah. But must is, a, yeah, is ridiculous. Need. No, like yeah. I must eat a sandwich. Sure, <laughs> no, I must have a manicure. Oh no, I'm ashamed of how my nails look. Men very rarely think about these things because they're thinking about growing their place in society and making it as big as possible. But we're trying to take up as little space yeah. as possible and just make sure that we land a guy. Completely. Although I do also need a manicure. My nails look <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> I'm going to make you do an iWay page. Yeah. I've done an iWay page. Oh, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Um, so what, can pe what do people do in iWay? So what people do is, the reason it started is I saw a picture of the Kardashians and these are, you know, however I feel about them, however anyone feels about them, these are women who have built an empire together. Yeah. And there were all these numbers written across their bodies in this group shot and I was like, oh, I bet that's how much money they're worth. <sighs> I wonder how much money It was they're way worth. less than how much money they were. <laughs> I know. But my curiosity to find out how yes. much money they're worth made me click on the picture. And then I opened it up and it was their weight. And it was a, a, a really largely followed web uh, Instagram account um, with predominantly young female followers saying, How much do you think? How much? Do, who do you think actually weighs the least? Oh what do God. you weigh? How tall are you? And then just thousands of comments from girls being like, Oh no, I, I'm the same height as her, but I weigh double and this, that, and the other. Just this just absolute bollocks and I just thought this is 2018 what is happening yeah. these are kids my age and that was in the 90s 
that I felt that way at that age. Like, how have we not progressed? If anything, things are getting worse because at least in the 90s, I had to really, like, go out of my way to find toxicity. Yeah. I would have to go out and buy the £4 magazine or I would have to, like, find Thinspiration, like Thinspo accounts, which were hidden, like, like the equivalent of the dark web, like, hidden behind other things. Now it just pops up onto your phone yeah. whether you're looking and for it's it not, or not. it's masked as... Yeah, reality TV or for sure, or eating body positivity. Or, yeah, body that positivity, that yeah. incredibly important concept has now been turned yeah. into a marketing slogan for which began body positivity. The way I came about body positivity is because it was a movement that began for people in wheelchairs and disabled bodies, mm-hmm. and kind of making sure that they had the right access to the same things that mm-hmm. everyone else had. And that's something we both have experience with. That's been it was nothing to do with having slightly big thighs, with having abs. Yeah. Abs and a slightly big bottom. Yeah. Anyway, so I decided to post a picture of myself with no no attempt to invite anyone else to do one back. I'm mm. not that presumptuous. I just wrote, I weigh my lovely relationship, the fact that I'm financially de- independent and I'm, uh, I am a, an abuse survivor. I'm this, that, and the other. I wrote down how I think of myself, how I value myself, which has taken me fucking years to get to the point where that's what I see yeah. when I look in the mirror rather than just flaws, a million flaws. And I genuinely feel that way about myself now. And so Amazing. I posted that out and then... To my surprise, and to like, I was in awe of this, but thousands of women voluntarily sent back theirs. And it was just incredible story after incredible story with wonderful unedited pictures so of women amazing. with like just letting, letting themselves be seen as free and honest and pure and, and showing that they'd survived cancer or they cure cancer or they are a loving mother or they have done this, that and the other. Just hearing stuff about people's lives rather than just looking at their, like, looking at their fucking face-tuned pictures. Also, what I even love about it, like, aesthetically, is that you're looking at this picture of them, but the picture is the words. Like, it's such a powerful thing to see because it's not just someone writing and it's not just a picture. It's like all you've somehow co-opted the Instagram way of making pictures and just it looks amazing oh it's really fun and like now that people are really getting into it people are sort of redoing their first one and sending yeah, new updated I might ones do another one. i've just done an updated one okay. as well and it's they they are writing so many new things about themselves that they've actually started to go away and think about it like yeah. what defines me that it almost fully covers up the picture you can barely see their face because there's so much that they want to say about themselves yeah. this is cool we haven't really heard from women no and so it's just, it's growing and it seems to be making people just feel good about themselves. It's the first time I've ever been a part of something uh, that hasn't involved trolling, but so far no one is trolling. And you would think that considering how vulnerable people are being yeah. and that these are people who are marginalised by society into groups that are often openly bullied, yeah. there would be some some sort of trolling, but I there isn't it's, any. It's yeah, wonderful. and I do think that scares some people off from getting involved with this online, but we mm. don't get much trolling on pink protests ever. Mm. So there are nice places. You can kind of make your own little pocket. Yeah, and it's really exciting. It's really exciting to hear women fight back. It yeah. feels like it's not just women also. Men are now doing iWay pages. Uh, some young men have been coming out on the iWay forum because they wow. find, on the iWay Instagram, because they find that it's a safe space yeah. to talk about themselves and they'll just be treated with love. Some people send me heartbreaking messages where they say that they can't they really want to get that it really helps them and they really want to get involved but they can't think of a single nice thing to say about themselves because they're so sad about their body image and then sometimes I will without 
naming them, like post something about that. And then they will get thousands of messages of encouragement, wow. like under the post. Even, yeah, and yeah. even though it isn't, they aren't named, they know they it's for them the because they can recognise yeah. the message. And it then encourages them to do it. So it just feels like, for now at least, it feels like an incredibly progressive moment that just happened to come around at the right time. I think maybe because we're so bombarded. Yeah. We're like, we're, think, at, well, we're at capacity needed. of like shame. Yeah. And so I think that, like, I just sort of put a pin in it and everything and poured it all out. Burst. Yeah. Something I've never actually asked you about, but it's very interesting, is obviously a lot of what you do is going against these expectations we have around women mm-hmm. and beauty standards and appearance. But you are also one of the most fashionable people I know. Very glamorous, like, you know, do your makeup, do your hair, all mm. of that. How do you see that fitting in with your feminism? Well, firstly, thank you. Second of all, um, I I always say this, that like I enjoy looking nice. I enjoy like putting on a bit of makeup. I find it quite artistic. I find putting clothes together quite artistic and fun. I have no problem with that. I have no problem if you enjoy doing those things. But I am certainly a multifaceted human being. Yeah. That is one part of me. It doesn't define me. And I think that's what's really important. And I try to make sure that that's what I project um, externally as well as that my writing is a really big part of me my radio is a really big part of me podcast my tv show comedy that I'm a part of I make sure that I'm putting out that you can enjoy your looks you can enjoy putting stuff on you can enjoy uh, having fun with your hair and makeup and your fashion but don't let that become your entire top 10 yeah. put that in your top 10 I love that I love that um, so your piece in the book is called tell him and mm. it's about talking to young boys about feminism i haven't actually seen it since i, I, I how it. how do, where do what do you see as men's place in the feminist movement i think that the way things go historically is that however much the oppressed rise however much noise the oppressed make we will always need the oppressors to help us in changing the situation yeah. you know we've had that with with racial oppression and we've certainly had that with with female oppression where we've had to rely on men to finally say okay fine you can vote okay yeah. fine you can work okay fine you can drive and they also have the power to take that back away from us as we've seen in some places in the middle east where women were at some point able to drive then they weren't allowed to Although and now they've not, been allowed to drive again you know it's, i will say it's not always okay fine like often it's been incredible no, sure. men and incredible white people for the civil rights movement that are fighting for it as well. I didn't mean for it to sound, sorry, I didn't mean for it to sound so kind of... um... No, but it's also that. It's also people going, oh, there's enough of you. We'll do this. No, for sure. But it just meant that like men have to be able to give us... We we rely, the oppress, the oppressors have to at some point give a green light, whether they've been forced into it or whether they themselves feel passionate about that cause and care care about justice. Um, And so I think men have a huge part to play in feminism and and they should realise that this isn't a war, it's not a threat. It can only benefit the whole world if 50% of our population are being able to function at capacity. Yeah. Completely. And really able to fulfil their potential. We can only have more great products. We can have more great writing. We can have more great comedy. We can They'll have more great things in the world. Yeah, have less take a load tax. off. Yeah, and and also, it's it's so much more fun when everyone gets along. Yeah. We learn so much. We have so many great conversations. My um, my boyfriend. Uh, didn't used to hang out with a lot of girls because he'd 
not come across a lot of women that he had a lot in common with. And also he hadn't had an opportunity um, much in his life to meet women who would show them their true self. And I, I've seen this a lot with my female friends that they pretend to be very different versions of themselves around men, which yeah. I think is a clearly a conditioning problem and something that you really should never feel the need to do, but I understand why you do. And then I find when I hang out with those men, they're like, what are you? Yeah. None of the girls we hang out with are like you. Exactly. You're weird. Yeah. I'm like, like a I'm, like, I'm like the, the normal crab one. from The Little Mermaid. Is yeah. this who you've been speaking yeah. to? Yeah. <laughs> That's how they feel. <laughs> I feel exactly the same way. And so many of my friends who I'm, so many of my male friends who I'm friends with, I'm their only female friend. Yeah. And my boyfriend and I are not only in a relationship, but we're also best friends. And via the fact that none of my friends want to have sex with him, I mean, they might, but they don't <laughs> ever project that, for which I am grateful, um, because they hang around with him with no agenda and yeah. they don't need him to find them attractive. They are themselves around him. And I'm, I surround myself only with like really exceptional and funny and smart women, all just women who are better than me. Um, I live so by the expression true. that... Um, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Love that. And I take that and to the extreme where I just think if you're the funniest person, you're the best person, yeah. whatever. So um, via that, he's ended up hanging out with so many incredible women who are being themselves around him. Uh, one of my female friends said the sentence to him the other day uh, about a breakup she'd been through. I can't believe I bleached my asshole for him. Like, he'd never heard a woman say something like that, that before. Something so <laughs> raw and funny and disgusting. Um, and now he prefers the company of women. Like, he comes, whenever I'm meeting up with, like, a bunch of women, he always wants to come and he really enjoys himself and not come like that but yet you know, he wants to join and and ha and he has a great time and yeah. he's so and the conversations are so much more emotionally available and he feels so much more supported than he does with so many like especially group male situations mm. it benefits we're we're nice we're so and nice we're, we're fun like you don't know this but we're also funny yeah. and we're smart even yeah. if we don't always show that to you because either we're not the the smarter funny women are not chosen to be given a platform yeah or they're not or, they, or they are those things and they don't show it because they're afraid of intimidating or turning men off. Yeah. You know, for which you have a responsibility yourself to stop hiding. Stop hiding the, the light that is in you from other people because it won't feel good and it will just end up with you feeling uh, underestimated and depressed and not really ever knowing anyone. Yeah, the place I'm in at the moment is I'm not going to change. I'm just going to wait for the men to change. Yeah. And eventually that does happen eventually, and you do yeah. come across men who just look at you as a human being and that's all this has to be mm. eventually there will be no feminism there will just be humanism yeah that's that's what i'm going for towards um so the theme of the book is the lies that we've all been told about what mm. it means to be a man or a woman or a feminist what for you what is one lie that you think we've been told about being a woman that you can't ask for more We've been conditioned into thinking that we can't even ask. We've been conditioned into thinking we're so lucky to be in any room ever, anywhere, outside of our house or a dungeon or a gym. Yeah. Um, and so therefore we don't even know that we're allowed to ask for what, are we, what we want and what we need. We don't even know. Yeah. So much of the time we don't. I didn't know for 10 years of my career and only recently have I started to say, excuse me, sir, please can I have some more? Yeah. And more often than not, I get it. 
I didn't know. I probably would have had it all along if I just asked. <laughs> if I just had the opinion and the, the attitude of a man where I thought, well, I deserve this. I'm working really hard. I should ask for this. It didn't occur to me to ask because I felt so lucky and afraid. Yeah. At the same time, we have to stop feeling lucky and afraid. We have to realise our own value and at least ask. Do you think maybe that's why women can be so rude in nail salons? Because it's the one place we feel... Are they? I've never been into a nail salon. You've never been to a nail no. salon? Look at my, look at my hands. They Weirdo. Um, yeah, they can be. And maybe it's because we feel we're meant to be there, so we finally speak up. But also, yeah, oh, yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. But also, like, look at the way that women are when we're in a group. We're completely different. Yeah. And we're really raw and we're really funny and we're really feisty and we're really... Rude. Just rude. Really yeah. rude. Disgusting. So disgusting. So disgusting. I've heard way more appalling things in a group of women than I have in a group yeah. of men, you know, and it's because we're so repressed. Um, okay, well, final question. Mm -hmm. uh, what is one bit of advice you'd give a young woman? One bit of advice I would give a young woman is to make a list every single day, if you have to, especially when you're feeling down, of the things that define you, of the things that make you happy, of the things that you are proud of about yourself and the goals that you have in life. And those goals are hopefully not aesthetic-based, goals that you have, big goals. I want you to think about the things that you're going to look back on and remember on your deathbed and know that those things are not going to be your love handles. Yeah. I want you to really think about that. Remember that this is your life. We really do only get one of them. And it's so important to try to be aware, to try to be grateful and to try to be proud of yourself. Oh, there's kiss? also, no? yes, Blizz. Okay. Uh, there's also pages at the back of the book, so you can write it down there. Oh, sure. There are pages at the back of the That's such a good idea. Yeah. Also, thanks for including me in this brilliant book. Yay. I'm really excited. I hope people respond to it. Same. They should. You can't troll book. books. It's quite nice. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't work. No. You can't read your comments. No. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If you've enjoyed it, or even if you didn't, we'd love to hear from you. So make sure you subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Feminists Don't Wear Pink and Other Lies, published by Penguin Random House on the 4th of October 2018, is available to buy now via the link in the description of this episode. All of the royalties from each book sold go to the amazing UN organisation Girl Up, who is supporting girls across the world. For more information and to join our gang, please follow us on Instagram at, at feminists. Thank you so much to Audio Boom for helping us get it out there and to the wonderful Pink Feminists who've joined us as guests. If you enjoyed this episode, we have some really fun feminist events coming up with even more of our contributors and we would love to have you. There's a link to our website where you can buy tickets in the description of this episode and I cannot wait to see you there. I love you, I love you. I love you. Okay, I'm sorry. No, I'm so no, proud no, of it. I have no idea. I black out during these situations. But I was I doing no your job. I have an out-of-body experience. Uh, no, you're great. You're fucking great. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.